9. <clears throat> I mentioned this morning that um, reading through the Gospel of John, one of the things that stood out was believe, 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 believe. And another thing that stood out to me in reading through the Gospel of John was all the times the the Pharisees were showing up and hounding him, Jesus Christ, and and nineteen times in the this book, um, the Pharisees are mentioned, and sometimes it's a a quite lengthy endeavor. In John chapter 9, you're familiar with the account of the man that was born blind and, and the people said, um, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus says, no, that's not the issue. This man was born blind that the glory of God might be seen. And Jesus healed him and... Um, and that caused quite a stir. And you notice in verse 13 of John chapter 9, they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees says, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his pa- the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? <clears throat> his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, I now see. They went on in in the account. You're familiar with the account. But again, Jesus performed amazing miracle, gave this man his sight, and they said, wait a minute, this can't be of God. And one of the things they said is, he did it on the Sabbath. And they established this, this law that um, this proves that 
He can't be of God. And one of the things that you will notice about the Pharisees is, as you read through in particular the Gospels, is that they often place upon mankind heavy burdens, heavier than God ever places upon man. And in so doing, then they are, they are often hypocritical. And as I was reading through the Gospel of John, you know, the Pharisees were the um, respected religious leaders of their time. They were the, they were the ones that knew the Word of God. They had a great knowledge of the Word of God. They were great students of the Word of God. But there was a, there was a real disconnect between their relationship with God and their knowledge of God. And, and I thought as I read through the Gospel of John, how easy it is for me and for us to take on the same characteristics of a Pharisee. And I want to encourage you as you read through the Gospel of John to know their spirit, and maybe you'll be encouraged to do a further study on this, but I want to mention tonight eight characteristics of a Christian Pharisee and then eight things that a Christian should be known for. And and these eight, there there could be I've seen lists of fifty characteristics of Pharisees that are all biblical. These are just eight that we'll highlight tonight. Pharisees, number one, spend more time focusing on what they hate rather than what they love. They spend more time on what they're against than what they're for. Are you known by what you are against, or are you known by what you are for? You know, the things that make Jesus angry aren't always the things that make evangelicals angry. They aren't always the things that we get angry about. And there's a problem there. Was Jesus against certain things? Yes, but he was also for a great many things. And you know, sometimes we, we go about and it's like all that we can see is the things that are wrong. We, we see everything is out to get us. So we're against that, and we're against that, and that's out to get me, and we're against this. The Pharisees were against Jesus Christ. And and it is easy for us to get that we're known more by what we're against than what we're for. Secondly, Pharisees magnify the sins of others while minimizing or even ignoring their own. 
A.W. Tozer put it this way, A Pharisee is hard on others and easy on himself, but a spiritual man is easy on others and hard on himself. You know, it's easy for us to get that backwards. When the other fellow is set in his ways, he's obstinate. When we are, it's just firmness. When the other fellow doesn't like your friends, he's prejudiced. When you don't like his, you're simply showing good judgment of character. When the other fellow tries to treat someone especially well, he's a flatterer. When you try the same thing, you're using tact. When the other person takes time to do things, he's dead slow. When you do it, you're deliberate. When the other fellow spends a lot, he's a spendthrift. When you do it, you're generous. When the other one holds tight his money, he's a tightwad. When you do it, we're prudent. When the other fellow... Uh, runs great risk in perhaps his business. He's foolhardy. When we do it, we are a great financier. When the other fellow says that he, what he thinks, we say it's spiteful. When we say what we think, we're just being frank. See, it's easy for us to be merciful to ourselves. And the Pharisees were hard on others and merciful to themselves. Magnify the sins of others, minimizing their own. Pharisees, thirdly, they are quick to pass judgment, but slow to inquire and listen to those they're judging. Pharisees shoot first and ask questions later. James said we are to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We've all been there. We've all, you know, and and let me say I should have said at the start, the point of this tonight is not for us to identify these characteristics in others, but the point is for us personally to say, God, how am I like this? Every one of us have characteristics of a Pharisee. It shows up in different ways, in different manners, but it's something that God despises because it comes in the name of God, but it's completely contrary to what God is. And and we, it's easy for us to quickly pass judgment before we've heard both sides of the story. There's there's two sides to everything. There's usually more than meets the eye, and and we can jump in and come to a conclusion and um, pass judgment without without being um, well educated or versed or to really know what's going on. We have to be careful that we don't. Elevate our preferences to God-given standards and in so doing judge others by our standards 
that we can convince ourselves are God's standards. Fourthly, Pharisees are very critical of others. Uh, e. Stanley Jones said, The measure of my spirit of criticism is the measure of my distance from Christ. The more critical spirit that I have. And, and you know, Pharisees wake up with the spirit of criticism right from the get-go. We have no basis of being critical of others. They answer to God. God is their master. Now, admittedly, we need to speak the truth, but the, the reality is, um, in most cases, we have no basis of being critical of others. And we have enough to take care of in our own garden. We have enough to take care of in our own heart without noticing and pointing out and being critical. You know, it's easy to fall into the critical mindset. Well, they should have done this or this was. Pharisees specialize in being critical of others, and Pharisees assume the worst of others. Only God has the ability to read the motives of a human heart. And and Pharisees, a Pharisaical attitude is one that assumes them. Well, I know why they're doing that. And we assume this attitude that we know their motives, or we assume the worst possible intent of why they're doing this. This is this is really, really detrimental to any form of fellowship and any building of relationships when we assume the worst in others. Pharisees, number six, avoid the heathen. By that I mean... Anybody that doesn't match to their standard, they don't allow them in the circle. It, it may not even be heathen in the sense of unsaved. It may be someone that professes to know Christ, but they don't cross their T's and dot their I's the exact same way. And pretty soon they get into such a, a small little, small little grouping that they're not an influence to anyone, and it's, again, it's the me-against-everybody-else mentality. It is, it is important for us to realize that God has left us here to touch people's lives. And that's a, that's a whole other topic of... of um, Getting along with people that you may not see exactly eye to eye on. Needless to say, um, there are certain things that there is no varying. God's Word clearly spells that out. But there are many things that, if you please, are gray areas. 
But the reality is we elevate ourselves that, that I can't have anything to do with this person or this person or this person. And, and sad to say, they usually become a bunch of um, terribly unhappy people. It's, it's not that there's, there's joy there. Um, the Pharisees weren't a joyous bunch in Jesus' day, and we aren't when we um, act like them. Number seven, Pharisees cannot tolerate correction even when it's given in the Spirit of Christ. Pharisees do not like to be corrected. And you'll notice that. Jesus would correct them, and they'd get mad, and and were determined to to um, take him and kill him. How do you respond to correction? Pharisees, along that line, find it very difficult to admit they're wrong or apologize to those they've mistreated. This aspect of humbling ourselves and saying, I was wrong, will you forgive me? We are embracing a spirit of a Pharisee when we fail to do that. We need to readily admit our wrongs and seek forgiveness. So... We, we find here, these are just some characteristics. And, and we need to ask ourselves, um, God, in my life, I want you to show me where I am a Pharisee. Where I have the spirit of a Pharisee. It may be, do I look through the eyesight of a critical spirit? Do I assume the worst in other people? Are my thoughts more about what I'm against than what I'm for? So, on the one hand, these are some of the characteristics of a Pharisee. Now, on the other hand, I want to share with us eight things Christians should be known for. And uh, several years ago, I came across this. I don't know who this guy is. he recorded this. His name's Jared Wilson. But I want to quickly give these. And, and then I want us to go from here with this is what I don't want in my life. And this is what I do want in my life. Number one is love. First John 4, 8. And we're not going to take the time. We don't have the time. But it doesn't matter what I do if I am not motivated by love. I am just a clanging symbol. I'm just making noise. I am not accomplishing God's purposes. And and again, several weeks, maybe months ago, we we handed out that sheet on 24 characteristics of love, and and. Nearly every day in my time alone with God, I read one of those and and go over it and say, Okay, God, I, I need this in my life. By nature, we don't love. By nature, 
We love ourselves. That's not love. By nature, we don't care about others. And, and so Christians should be known for our love. Christians, secondly, should be known for grace. We sing about grace, God's grace. We rejoice in grace, God's grace. And we rejoice that we are undeserving of His grace and we have generously benefited from it. But in the same way, are we as Christians known for our gracious spirit? Are we known for a spirit of forgiveness even to those that don't deserve it? Are we known to to be kind and gracious to them? Known for our grace. Freely we have received, freely we give. Number three, should be known for our purity. Not just in the moral areas, in the, the sexual area, but purity of our motive, purity in our speech, our actions, our motives, our words. Are we, are we pure? We should be known for purity. And Philippians 4.8, think on these things. Whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely, think on these things. <clears throat> Number four, our patience. An aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. The Word of God has called us to be patient in all things. And admittedly, it's not the easiest thing. Um, it doesn't come naturally for us. But understanding, you know what? God is in control, as, as Tara mentioned, holding the baby. God's in control of every circumstance in my life. And I, I may have thought this should be going faster and going a different direction, but no, I can rest in the Lord. The Lord is shepherding me. We should be known for our patience. People that we do business with, they should, they should know us as when they make a mistake, we're patient with it because we understand, you know what? I make a lot of mistakes too, and and that's no problem. Our family, do they know us as as having patience? Number five, Christians should be known for our sacrifice. Christ sacrificed on our behalf. We're called to a selfless sacrifice, reflecting the image of our Father. It's not about me. It's a, it's a sacrifice, and I'll mention number six, is selflessness, because these are, are hard to separate. The idea of selflessness presents a picture that says, whatever you need, I'm willing to do it. It doesn't, 
It doesn't measure out and say, well, I've done my ministry for the week and so I'm done. No. If there's a need that we're made aware of, that we're, it's not about us. You know, many times we extend the grace. Yes, we don't have to do things. But we extend the grace and we use it as a license to the flesh, Galatians talks about. Well, I don't, I don't have to do this. Well, it's not a matter of have to. It's a matter of, it's not about me. If there's a need, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to serve. And, and it is Philippians 2, putting others, esteeming others better than ourselves. The reality is, it's easy for us to compartmentalize our life and say, okay, God, I'll give you this, and I'll do this and this, and that fills up what I believe is, we say, what I believe is my ministry obligations. But now this is my life, and don't you involve anything over here. Well, Christians should be known for our sacrifice and our selflessness, and number seven, our commitment. That when we say something, we'll do it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. That when when we commit to something, we're going to persevere through it. Um, we're going to manifest endurance. We're going to manifest uh, forbearance. We're going to manifest finishing a commitment to show that we can be trusted as believers. And then number eight, respect. We will come across people with differing views than us. But this doesn't mean we can't be respectful even though we have disagreement. We need to be known and understand that this person is created in the image of God just like I am. This person may have Many different beliefs than me may have different um, markings all over their body that I wouldn't have, but they are still made in the image of God, and they are to be respected for what God can do in their life. They are made in the image of God, and to minister That's why we're left here, in a respectful manner. For too long, as Christians, we've cut certain people off and we failed to realize, but by the grace of God, we would be that and worse. It is only the grace of God that that tonight any or all of us are not strung out on drugs or um, whatever you could imagine. It's not because we're better. It's only the grace of God. 
and to understand that in ministering to others. So as you, as you go through the Gospel of John, you'll see characteristics of people trying to trap Jesus, holding a standard of holier than thou, filled with their pride, filled with self. And really, you can summarize a Pharisee with all other sinners, they're living for self. Some do it in the name of religion, some do it in the name of the world, some do it in the name of nothing. But it's all self. Or the characteristics that Jesus is emphasizing through his life and ministries, the characteristics of the love, the patience, manifesting grace, being gracious in all that we do, and all of these things, selflessness, self-sacrifice, all of that ought to begin, first of all, in the home. And then to be carried out to others, be manifested to others. So really, you know, as I went through this, I said, God, forgive me for having a pharisaical attitude so many times in my life. Thinking the worst, having a critical spirit. You know what? You can have a critical spirit and you say, I never say anything to anybody. But in your mind, you're grinding that person to powder. God sees it and knows it. And it's still a critical spirit. It's not showing the the grace that is necessary. It's not showing the respect that we ought to have. So it's eight characteristics, as we said, there could be many, many more, of of an attitude of self, and eight characteristics of Christ-like spirit. And we ought to take this and say, God, please forgive me for having a pharisaical attitude, and God, I want to be truly known as a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to have love and grace and purity and patience and sacrifice and selflessness, and commitment, and respect. I want to be like you. And we are so naturally prone to this way. Well, look at me. I'm better than the others. I'm here on Sunday night. I notice others aren't here. That's the spirit of a Pharisee. But to have grace, and love, and so on. And And inside every one of us is the spirit of a Pharisee, especially since we're, if quote-unquote, religious. That's naturally our bent then, to be that way. Why, he couldn't be of God. Look what he did. He did that on the Sabbath. But at the same time, if the oxen was in the ditch on the Sabbath, they'd get him out of the ditch, right? And Jesus said, this man was in bondage all these years, and I set him free. What's the problem here? They elevated their own standards above that which is of God. And so for every one of us, and really that's where there begins a working of God in our hearts. God, I, and and to admit it and say, I have had a prideful 
Christian Pharisee attitude. Show it to me, Lord. And it, can, it may be in other areas that we haven't even mentioned. Lord, show me and empower me to be a person of your grace. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I pray tonight that personally in our hearts, we would allow your spirit to pinpoint areas of our life where our pride has taken over and we have become like Pharisees. And Lord, I pray that we would turn from it, that we would have a desire to be what you want us to be. And Lord, I pray that we would begin to manifest in even a greater manner a spirit of you in our homes, in our marriages, in our work, in our relationship, in our recreation, that we would carry your spirit wherever we go. And that truly people would know we are Christians by the way that we live, by the way that we love, by the way that we serve. And so, Lord, we plead your mercies. Help us to to recognize the errors of our ways and to submit to your way and know the joy that comes as we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's